And in this wonderful episode, I will be speaking with David A. Charles, a wonderful human being who's been on an incredible life journey. Um, And yeah, we're talking to the topic of self-worth and the feelings of being enough. Hello, David. Hello. <laughs> nice to have you here. Thanks. Really excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this topic. Tell everyone, what is the topic today? So the topic is feeling enough yeah. and self-worth. And we're also going to be talking about self-value as well. Yes. ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I reckon we should get right into it. Sounds great. Yeah. So if you could just tell the listeners a little bit about what you actually think when you think of being enough and define what that actually means to you. Awesome. Cool. So for me, the feeling of being enough, I so often, the way that I used to relate to it is I used to try and get this sense from outside of me through, um, through outcomes or through results or through success. Mm -hmm. So for me, the, like really at the core is feeling enough regardless of anything that happens externally, regardless of any relationship experience, Mm -hmm. regardless of our financial setting or, or our health as well. It's it's something that is felt internally and is unshakable. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So like someone who's in their power owning, owning themselves. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good definition. I like that. Yeah. Well, we'll get we'll get into sort of a little bit around maybe um, you know what your family dynamic was like, and then along the way, I'm just going to ask some questions around you know how maybe you started to um, like you made a decision. Everyone mm. makes a decision at some point in their life that they're not worthy, and that can be even by a family member showing them love, and they think, oh no, the opposite. Mm. So it's interesting. We can talk about that um, a little bit into how that's affected you and your relationships and your dating um, and then just get some, yeah, lessons and learnings and and what you've taken from it all and where you're at now. So what was your family dynamic like when you were growing up? Yeah, so my my mum and my dad, uh, I'm, I'm the eldest from my mum and my dad. Mm-hmm. I've got an older brother who's 18 years older, my half-brother from my mum. Yeah. And I've got a sister who's two years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And what was that sort of – so your parents were <coughs> together or like were you a big family in one Yeah, household? so so I grew up with my older brother yeah. in the house, which was really cool because he was kind of – I was kind of like his little sidekick when mm-hmm. we were growing up. He taught me some really good things and maybe some – not so good things as well. <laughs> so that was really nice. There was a there was a lot of like we were financially uh, stable and good, but the, there wasn't very much intimacy and there wasn't very much connection. There wasn't very much love. Love was really shown through providing of like material things. So that more action sort of based. Yeah, like my yeah. dad showed his love by working hard for us. And I didn't really have spend much time with him. I probably spent more time with my brother, actually, my older brother. And my mum showed her love through a lot of like doing things for us, like washing or mm-hmm. cooking or taking us to sport or to school. But there really wasn't, when I reflect back on it, there really wasn't a whole lot of intimacy mm-hmm. or connection. Uh, there was just more, yeah, 
just doing of things for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting as you grow up, like, I know for myself personally, I'm a huge, um, I need to hear it. And yes. I also like physical touch is a big thing for me. <clears throat> totally. And presence. Yes. So I would probably call them equally as important. And I know growing up, the words I love you were never even something that yes. we spoke out loud. Yes. Amongst our five of us. And I remember the, the craving of like needing to hear that. Yes. Um, and then that also resulted in me thinking, you know, oh, they don't love me and I'm not good enough. Mm. And yeah, so mm. it's interesting, isn't it? It is. It's super mm. interesting. Do you know the five love languages? I do. Yeah, yes. yeah. Awesome. Do you want to share awesome. them? So people yeah, can, so yeah. there's acts of service, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and there's acts of service, gifts. That's it. This is the other yes. one. Mm-hmm. So what I find really interesting as well is that different people, depending on our environments that grew up, some people, they move into, as an example, my parents were mainly acts of service mm-hmm. and gifts. Yes. But physical touch and words of affirmation weren't there almost at all. Mm. So that's actually my highest love languages, mm-hmm. those two, which I didn't receive when I was younger. But for some people, it's actually the opposite. It's like because they receive acts of service and gifts, it's like that becomes their number one because that's the way mm-hmm. they channel their love. So, yeah, it's super, and it can just it can play out in, in households differently as well. Totally. Yeah. And that same thing with values. It's like we value what we lack yes. as well a lot of the time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting. It is, yeah. Um, because it's, it's like one of those things, is it chicken or is it the egg? Because for me, like when I reflect back, when I was younger, I can always remember being super tactile. Mm. So for someone else growing up in my household, maybe they maybe they could have felt like an immense amount of love. For me, there was this sense of like, oh, I I want I want more. I want it's more like, like touch and, and words. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's uh if we if people were to really reflect on that, the love language stuff. And when they don't feel fulfilled in relationships and stuff like that. So really, if you guys out there that are listening to this, I think it's super important to look into. Absolutely. doing that quiz, I think it's online. You can do it for free. Yeah, it's like life-changing. Yeah, because yeah. it, it, it can show up in relationships so much as well when they're, when they're like completely different. Like I've had mm. a partner before in the past that was completely opposite. And we're literally speaking different languages. Yeah. Yeah. So specifically in the household, like how I see this playing out is that because my love languages for whatever reason were completely different to what I was receiving, Mm -hmm. as children, we don't have the filter or the conscious awareness to go, oh, my mum just isn't giving me the love that I want. We make it mean about ourselves and same with our dads as well. Yes. Yeah. And yeah it's super it's just super common we don't we just don't have that filter we don't have that um yeah yeah that awareness at that that age i agree and there's i mean not getting sidetracked at all (laughs) i can do that a lot um but there's there was a story that i heard of a woman who and the reason why i want to talk about love language a little bit is because it is very much connected to whether or not we think someone thinks that we're worthy enough or whether or not we think we are. Exactly. Also, even receiving the love that we desire yes. is a really big thing as well. Um, but, yeah, there was a story of a woman who was brought up in Vietnam and um, she was in the bus with her mum and her mum said, don't you dare look at anyone in the eyes. 
And what her mother was saying in that moment is, I am afraid that something's going to happen to you mm. and someone's going to look at you and you're going to look at them and they'll take you away from me. Mm. Right? It was, it was a, an action or a word, words that would come out of love from her mother. Yes. Anyway, she spent her entire life pretty much up until the age of 50 or 60 not looking at people in the eye. Wow. Because of that decision that she made on that day after her mum told her that. Yes. And so her mum ended up passing away and she did some work on it with someone. <clears throat> and the outcome or the realisation was that her mum loved her so much that she told her, don't look anyone in the eye yes. because I'd never want anything to happen to you. But that girl walked through life up until the age of 50, 60 going, I can't look at anyone in the eye. Mm. Because if I, that mean that day my mum showed to me that, I don't know, maybe she took it as she didn't care about me or yes. that like, why can't I look at people in the eyes? And she started to doubt herself and, you know, and then she spent her life being awkward about looking at people. Yeah. So it's like just one example of um, communication and how when we're a child we take things very literally. Yes. And yes. how we can carry it out. Yes. Mm. Absolutely. Same with the decision of. I'm not worthy yeah. and I'm not good enough. Because that's often what our parents don't want for us at all. They want us to know that we're loved. They want us to know that we're enough. Mm. Like when when I, I connected more deeply with my father when I was older, because I was just able to, I understood him so much more and I, I, made, I didn't make things mean anything about myself. Mm. And just speaking to him and about his relationship with having a son and, and like me growing up, he just wanted to provide everything for me. Like he devoted himself so fully to providing for our family. Mm. But when I was like two, three, four, five, six, seven, like I, I yeah. didn't know that. I didn't have that awareness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. really interesting. It's isn't it? super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cause there's like the thing that I love so much about consciousness work and personal development work is that there's no, black there's no black or white it's like particularly when we're working with younger ages there's this real it's like everything's shades of gray doesn't quite feel right but everything's like it's multiple colors there's no black and white mm. yeah yeah definitely oh there certainly isn't and our subconscious can take us to many different places it can. It can. <laughs> as we've experienced um so when do you think that you made the decision that you weren't enough? Yeah, so I feel like it was before I had the awareness, like before I was able to make decisions. Yeah. As weird as, weird as that might sound. Because I can't consciously remember making that decision. Yeah. But I can remember, I can just remember that feeling being there. Yeah. Like my whole life. Um Mm -hmm. Yeah, particularly as I started diving more more into it in the last couple of years. Yeah. Really seeing how that's been a thread there my whole life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think, yeah, even with that, some people, I, I don't think it is, even is something that you can fall back on and go, oh, yeah, that was the time that I made that decision. Yes. Especially with this, because I think it's so ingrained in each and every one of us as human beings. Yes. That is like the underlying issue, I think, to nearly everything yeah. is I'm not enough. Yes. Because um, it, it ties to so many things as well. It's not just, it's not just I'm, I'm not enough. Mm. There's also, and it's not just experiencing in the family unit, 
also collectively and, and as a society, like we only it's only been the last couple of hundred years where there's been enough food. Mm. So if you start looking at sort of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs with survival being down the bottom, yeah, for so long, for thousands of years, we have been running on more of a a uh, like an encoding, a primal encoding of there isn't enough. So that that whole sort of energy or essence of mm. there not being enough is within us, and it's such a survival wow. fear based thing that's linked to food. That's now linked as we're rising up collectively in Maslow's hierarchy. It's like it's starting to move more into like social dynamics, tribal, and also as as we start to hit, um, I think the top one self actualization. Mm-hmm. As we start to contribute more and want to share our unique gifts. Yeah. It can start playing out there as well. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. it's so woven into like the fabric of society, which is pretty A lot pretty of like who am I to do this or yes. who am I to be so important or you know, lots of yeah, for sure. Even yeah. stepping up um as a leader for yourself and and for others, especially with the stuff that you're doing now, like stepping up into like um when I did a program um, recently, the quest that I did, I did this amazing program and it was all about stepping into your power. And for me, it was like, it was so hard for me to think that I was worthy enough to even start a podcast. Yes, I know it sounds (laughs) lame, but even starting a podcast is like, who am I to do that? Like what makes me so special? Mm. I always thought someone that was out doing things, had something that no one else had. Yes. Or had like, that was special and they were like destined for it. Yes. It's like, no, sometimes it's just a matter of just owning who you are. Yes. And just going for that yeah, thing. Always. Mm. Yeah, always. Yeah. So it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and for different people as well, it can, it can show up differently. Like for myself, the feeling of not enough has been a driver, but it's also been somewhat debilitating for me. Mm. And for some people, it's completely crippling. And for other people, like a lot of the billionaires today, like I'm, there was, I was watching a, a movie about Steve Jobs and he was driven by the feeling of not enough. David Goggins as well. Like when I listen to him, when, it, when I hear him speak about all his, mm. his achievements, that was driven from a place of not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy when you listen to it due to his upbringing. No. So it's like different people have different relationships and it, and it manifests in different ways as well. So true. Even like yeah. artists. Yes. Like massively people who um, are very artists creative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have been through some, a lot of people have been through a lot of past trauma. Yes. And have been through a lot of, um, a lot of shizzle. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I don't want to swear. <laughs> um, a lot of conflict and a lot of challenges in life that have actually made them the greatest musicians exactly. and the greatest artists because they can go to a depth that other people may not feel that they can go to because yes. they're scared. Yes. So it is really... Mm. Yeah, and I feel like there's a real delabeling or like taking away the stigma of not feeling enough because when I started looking at people that were highly successful as well, mm. they were often driven by not feeling enough. So there were quite a few things that I was doing to like really break because I, it really was a block for me. Mm. I kept on hitting up against it 
And for a long time, I didn't know what was happening. And then I just started expanding my, my field of awareness to like just the entire topic. And I started looking at people that, that had this theme running. It's like Michael Jordan as well. Michael mm. Jordan was really driven by this feeling of like, I'm not enough. I need to be the best. I need to prove. I need to prove myself. It's like some of the greatest um, achievements in the world have been created mm. from people not feeling enough or needing to like feel worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, if I guess when you think about it, what would be people's reason if they if they didn't have that reason? Yes. That that whole I want to be a better version of myself. When I think about that now, for me, that was a hot like a hundred percent. Yes. Because there was a part of me that wanted to know that I was enough. Yes. Isn't that? Oh my god. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. just like opened up a whole new <laughs> yeah. thing for me. Yeah. Oh. It's such a different way of looking at it as well. And it is. and in saying that, I'm not saying okay, we'll just like use your not good enough for fuel and just like let that wound <laughs> run your life. Um, but I think it's just good as like starting to break down the ways that we relate to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, yeah, just reframing it to something else or another reason as to why you want to go out for those things. Yes. Um, obviously that evolves and changes, but as you said, everyone on this planet, there is an underlying thing of not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, and it, and it could even just show up differently. I f- we'll probably loop back into it, so I yeah. won't dive fully back like, yeah, yeah. into it Sorry. now. But it's like we can also be not good enough, but that also doesn't mean anything about us. As an example, um, it could be we're not good enough, like not good enough at creating content online. Maybe there's actually a truth in that we're not good enough mm. at doing that and that can create like a stimulus to go and learn and develop and grow. Mm. But the, the difference that I really love is like, well, that doesn't actually mean anything about me. It doesn't mean anything about my worthiness or about my ability to receive love yes. or my worthiness to receive love. Mm. It might just mean, oh, I need to grow and develop in that area. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. No, because I mean, I think about even, and we'll talk about a bit about dating later, but you know, people who I've attracted in as well into my yeah. realm, and like just now looking at it, like a lot of the people that I thought that wouldn't like me, there was this underlying thing of, oh, I could never be worthy enough, or I'm yes. never going to be good enough for this guy, or because he's yes. way too good looking, and this, you know, this just. Waste of time, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> um, so, what do you? What situations in your life do you think reinforced the fact, reinforced your belief that you weren't <laughs> enough or that you weren't worthy? Yeah, definitely. Just relating with my parents. Yeah. Um, with my dad was a big one. Yeah. Like I can remember, it didn't matter what I did, didn't matter what I achieved, it didn't matter whether I came. First at swimming, yeah, we used to love swimming. It didn't matter what I created. Um, we did like I did scouting, and then my dad became a leader. And it didn't matter what I did within scouting. There was just never, I, I never felt like I received his attention or his love or words of affirmation as I desired. So that for me was a real, like it really compounded this feeling of like I'm not enough. I'm not enough to to be loved by my dad. 
Um, and if the one person in the world that I love doesn't love me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and and my mum was with my mum as well. Like my mum was always very critical. And and it's it's got nothing it's got nothing to do with me. Both of them has no, they both were just in their own bubble. Yes. Um my mum is just a very she's a very very critical person, very mm. pessimistic and it's very fear driven for her. Yeah. So if I shared something that I was excited about or I shared something that I created or something that I did, mm. it would often just be picked at. And I made that mean so much about myself. Mm. That that really was the, the foundation. It was probably the, it really landed for me in the first probably like, yeah, I'm seeing like 12 years. It was just that, that was on repeat, yeah. It's funny because when you're saying that, I even remember like helping mum in the kitchen mm. and shaking because I was cutting an onion my way yes. and she was like, don't do that. Yes. And I was like, I remember this thing of like, oh my God, I can't even cut an onion properly. Yes. And then I get all yes. like nervous. And um, my mum has major perfectionist issues mm. and I didn't even recognise, but that's been like perfectionism. Yes. When you're constantly like thinking that whatever you do is just not enough. Mm. Like she's such an incredible woman, an incredible artist. Mm. Yet she'll be like working on something yes. like it's just never quite finished. Yes. You know, and it's like, mummy, it's Perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she's like, I just can't do things the way that you do them. I just, you're just way too free with your art. And I was like, well, that's what it's meant to be an expression. Yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how, yeah, yeah even like, there, yeah. Yeah, we, partner Amy and I, we were over at my mum's house for dinner about a month ago. My mum cooked this beautiful, and it was like this pork, crackling pork belly, and it had this. Uh, like this plum sauce and it was one of the best meals I've ever had wow. and same with Amy and we're just like this is incredible before we sat down my mum was my mum was oh the crackling isn't the crackling's not good and oh it's 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 not good it's not good and then we're Amy and I were just in in awe of this meal and she's like no you're lying to me you, you're just telling porkies and all this stuff we're like no this is genuinely the best meal and she's like oh no the pork crackling and it's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Like she, I feel like so much of this is inherited from our parents as well. Like for me, I can so see how so many of the ways that I relate to myself is how my mum relates to my, or at least previously, how I used to relate to myself is how my mum, yeah, used to, or my mum relates to herself. Um, there's this, there's very much this, um, I can't remember who said it, but so often our thoughts uh, internalized voices that we heard when we were younger. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that critical voice, that not enough voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, I can think of stuff now too. Yeah. <laughs> and you sit there and you're like, I just remember dad saying like, Oh, you can't cope with anything. And that used to play in my head a lot. And I used to always cry. Yeah. And then one day I realized the tone of the voice was my dad's voice. Yes. Yeah. So it's really, that's another thing, guys, listening. Listen to the words that you're saying to yourself with the tone that they're in. Absolutely. Because a lot of the time they're not your own tone. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and another way to change that as well, I think there's a certain technique where you can um, you can turn it into a laugh. So let's just say something like, oh, you can't cope with anything in your life. You can go, you can't 
can't cope with anything in your life and like, yes. make it a joke. Yes. And then your brain doesn't take it as so seriously. Totally. Or yeah, say it like Donald Duck. Yes. And and then it starts to change the... Mm. Yeah, yeah. That That's one way that I like. And there's another way where you just like exaggerate it to the like to the nth degree. Oh. So I've heard it described by the, um, a man called John Kehoe and he's like, yeah, you can't cope with anything. You're going to walk down the street and as you're walking, your leg's going to fall off <laughs> and then you're going to be hopping on one leg and then as you're going, the other leg's going to fall off and then you're going to be on the ground. You're going to be dragging yourself. And That's Yeah, awesome. he just like yeah. takes it to the nth degree because it helps to break down um, – those those patterns and those thoughts they've got they've got highways in, in your mind so it's starting mm. to break those highways and start to just yeah change the patterns yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so i just felt to yeah felt to drop in here one of the things that i did do was exactly what you said was start to really take notice of what thoughts are running through my head what tone are they in what energy are they attached to emotions what emotions are rising yeah just really mm. unearthing. It was it was quite sobering. Yeah. Um, it was quite sobering to see the thoughts and the emotions that were there, but it was super powerful. Mm. First, one of the first steps is definitely awareness. Oh, massively. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Anyway, I think that, that's some good tips there for whoever's listening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, you did mention it just then a little bit um, about, like, the expectations thing and how, you know, when your mum had expectations on herself, therefore you... So do you think that you've had high expectations of yourself growing up? <clears throat> oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And back to what I was talking about before, there's a blessing and there's a curse with that mm. because my high expectations of myself have driven me to see like larger visions for myself, but also it has been debilitating in terms of just creating and, and having that perfectionism running through what I do, that, yeah. that criticism. Yeah. yeah. So we're safe to say that high expectations and a perfectionist uh, traits really do uh, because of the lack of self-worth and yeah. not being enough. So Absolutely. that's pretty clear yes. for both of us as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I believe that we are the diamond. We, we are the diamond when we're born. I just imagine a beautiful, shining diamond. And then along the way, life happens, conditioning happens, and dirt starts to pile up. And we sort of lose sight of this beautiful diamond that we were originally mm. or that we are. And I'm wanting to know when do you think your and, and you've probably answered this a little bit before but when do you truly think that your diamond got buried by the false ideas of the world mm. do you think that that was like <coughs> child like school like how, how did you know yeah i feel like it was quite young I f there are multiple conversations in this because as i was growing up i feel like that conditioning was there from as soon as I came in mm. and then depending on different people's beliefs and some people believe in past lives, I'm, I'm not fully committed to, to mm. that thought, but I mean, there is a possibility as well that we come in with things on our soul mm -hmm. before, like before we're even born, mm -hmm. uh, something to heal, something maybe collectively or something through mm -hmm. our individual sort of like soul life. Yeah. Um, life path so yeah for me the way that i relate to it in this human body is like 
as soon as I came out. Mm. Or even before then, actually, when I was in utero, mm. um, because that energy field of not enough was present. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And they're like the, the, the emotions that my mum was feeling, I was feeling those. The hormones that were running through her body, whether it be stress. So true. Mm. That was running through mine as well. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I like it. So when do you think that you were reminded that you you were the diamonds again? I feel like it was at school. Mm. I feel like it was at school. I was I was very fortunate that I went to just a really beautiful school that was very very um, very supportive of people finding their own flavour. Like it was still very much that traditional school path, mm. but there were there, I can just remember hearing from teachers of like really supporting me saying like you've got so much potential be yourself yeah yeah, be yourself you're so great um like i can remember one teacher mr ponsford he was a sports teacher and he was my prep sports teacher and i can i can still remember his supportive Mm. just like energy and tone and way of relating to to me Mm. yeah yeah and and feeling really special actually like having this sense of like oh like he he cares about me and seeing that through, yeah, through different school teachers as well. Mm, so, yeah, yeah, it's an, it's interesting the words that we remember. Like, even so, with some I do some social support, and I I work with a lady who's uh, eighty six, <laughs> and awesome. I support her in the morning, Monday to Friday. So I'm really starting to build this beautiful relationship with her, and what she has verbalized to me. Um, sometimes when she's having a bit of a low day is this thing of no one's there for me and Mm. I don't feel I feel alone I'm in this house alone and today she was talking about how her mother was never there for her and I have made it a conscious decision to every day when I leave her because she's Italian I say amore amore which means love like Mm. big love to you Mm. as I leave and I've noticed the more I, I've just been like a reinforcement of presence for her. I sit with her, whereas most of the everyone else sort of like comes and goes really quickly. But I like make a conscious effort to sit with her and say, "I'm here for you, and I care about you. Mm. Like you're not you're not alone here, and mm. you are enough." Mm. And I think those words, even though I say them and I leave, and obviously I mean them fully, I know that just by simply her hearing those words, she will always remember that. Yes. Because how often do we hear those words yes. as we're, like, if you if you never heard it, like words of affirmation in your childhood, that teacher would not even know the impact yeah. that they, they've made. Like, the fact that you remember this guy yes. and those words, yes. it's so important to to be also someone who reinforces that for people. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And it's mm. like the words are super powerful and also the embodiment of that. that mm. If we're holding that frequency, like if we, if we do the healing, like, so what I noticed for myself is with the healing that I've done around being enough, I relate to other people as being enough, that it doesn't matter what they do or like if they make a mistake or it, mm. it literally doesn't matter. It's like I have the fundamental belief that other people are enough. Yes. And that gives the transmission. I don't have to specifically say the words, but it's like I just hold this frequency of like mm. you, were, you were worthy. Yeah. You are loved. And I accept you. Yeah. And I yeah. accept you. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And it's all, it is all in the presence and the eyes and the, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sometimes the eyes, sometimes just even simply standing next to someone. Yeah. Sometimes the voice on a podcast yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. While she's driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, I'm trying not to make these as long for people, these podcasts. Yes. So I'll ask a couple more questions Great. and then we will finish up. Awesome. So I would love for you to share... How do you believe the worthiness piece affected you in your dating life up until, like, before <laughs> the relationship you've got now? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that affected you in your dating life? Beautiful. So I flipped uh, – do you know much about attachment styles? A little bit. Yeah. So yeah. the three major ones are secure, anxious, and avoidant. Mm. They're kind of – there's different there's different ways of talking about them, but they're sort of like the major three. So secure is just deeply loved. It's like two people feeling worthy and enough. Anxious is where it's like you can you can see it sort of as a wave. It's like that hot and cold. Mm. I'm in, I'm out. I'm in, I'm out. And avoiding is just really it's sort of like that narcissist mm. um, pushing back. Yeah. And so I really flipped in between those when I was like dating earlier. Yeah. I would, I would move from, and sometimes in the relationship as well, I'd have periods of time where I was really avoidant of love and I'd push it away. And it wasn't even something that I was aware of, but I created a lot of distance in my relationships and there was a, there was an intimacy that wasn't um, attainable at all. There was very much a, mm. a separation. Yeah. And there's been other times where I felt, uh, needy as well where i didn't feel like i was worthy of being loved yeah and um i would move into people pleasing i would um yeah i'm thinking of one particular partner where like i just made my whole life about her and i really just focused on that fully and yeah yeah and we all know what happens when you do that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she's probably like, "No, you're too much." And then you're like, "No, but love me." Yeah, we. <laughs> yeah, we were kind of we were doing this dance where we were both doing the same thing. I feel like we were both, um, probably my greatest opportunity for healing around relationship. Yeah. Was, was in that one. Yeah. We were both bouncing off each other. We were both like needy, and then too much, yeah. and then back, <laughs> and then like no, and then. <laughs> Yeah. I love you. No, I don't. Yeah, I do. But oh my God, I'm yeah. confused. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. So that sounds pretty common. Yes. Just saying. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of, yeah, actually just really quickly, how you said before about self-responsibility now having obviously self-love and being enough is an evolving sort of thing over our entire life, that reinforcement of knowing that we are enough. But now that you are in a relationship where you know you are worthy, mm-hmm. what are the two things that you mentioned before to me that um, that are really important now with the person that you're with? Yeah, so self-responsibility yep. and self-awareness. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. important. Yeah, massively important. And yeah, for me, that is like I'm able to be more responsible and more self-aware mm-hmm. because I have done the work on myself to know that I'm enough. Mm. Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what she does. It doesn't matter 
what she does. I'm kind of doing bunny ears with yeah, that. Yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, yeah, hold on yeah, a minute. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It just, even if I'm, even if I'm feeling triggered about something, um, I, I'm much more easily, like, I can just take responsibility for it because mm. when things that happen externally can shake our connection to feeling enough and feeling worthy, then there's, we won't take full responsibility. Why would we? Like our psyche couldn't handle the taking full responsibility for how we're showing up. Um, if, yeah, if, if that like foundation isn't set, isn't solid. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just like really absorbing what you're saying yes yeah it's yeah. good because we can be radically honest we can actually just be radically honest with ourselves and how we're showing up mm. and for me there's been like in previous relationships when we're going through hard times i would often get lost in the swamp mm. of like what is going on what's my stuff what's her stuff what's actually mm. like getting clarity was I, I wasn't able to but now i'm able to be more radically responsible and um, just aware of like, like how am I showing up? Am I being a am I being a dick or whatever? Yeah, yeah, and owning it for yes. sure. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So, what traits do you just to finish up? What traits do you feel one holds when um, they own who they are? There's an easefulness, mm. like when someone feels enough and they know they're worthy of love. There's just an easefulness. There's, there's more playfulness actually. Mm. And same with power as well. Like if someone's really standing in their power, like when I see someone standing in their power, it's often not this strong, super rigid. They're often very playful because they can flow. They, there's mm. not this sense of like, I need to protect myself from, Absolutely. from the world. I can open, I can enjoy, yeah. I can be vulnerable. Um, yeah, I can mm. I can be out in the world as well. I often see people, like, I feel like mostly it's to do with people following something that they love. They're doing something that they love. Yep. And for some people, that might be stepping up and running something. For other people, it might be something really quiet, like doing some art or yeah. cooking. But yeah, they're just in mm. life. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So to finish up, I, I will get you to answer one more question. That is... And I, someone interviewed me in a podcast once and they did it and I was yeah, I love it. If you had a microphone that the whole world was silent for a minute and you had a microphone to speak out to everyone and it was mm -hmm. just your voice, mm -hmm. what would you say to the world about being enough? started you are enough there's nothing that you have to do there's nothing that you have to say there's nothing that you have to be other than who you are and like to my deepest wish is for you just to live a life that you desire mm. and that calls you and yearns you because regardless of anything, you will always be enough. Nice. I like it. And it's true. We were born enough truly 
deep yes. the core of us was born always enough. Yes. We were always perfect. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing doing this with you. Um, if you just want to leave a little bit about what you do for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they can, yeah, go check you out on socials. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. So I fundamentally work with leaders and aspiring leaders. So what I'm super passionate about, and it really weighs in with this, this topic of feeling enough, is being deeply unshakable with their direction and why they're here and their purpose and mission here. Mm. Uh, yeah, just it deeply fucking excites me. Language. Good. <laughs> it's, it's all fine. good. Yeah, just it deeply excites me mm-hmm. to, to, to help people to step up to that. So I work with people one-on-one. I work with people in groups. And also, uh, I've just launched with my partner, Amy, Adelaide Leadership Co. So, yeah, bringing together leaders and aspiring leaders. Yeah. Um, yeah, bringing in speakers and really just exploring and diving deep on the topic of leadership. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing having you here. Thank yeah. you. And um, I hope you guys got something out of that because I thought that was the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>